a single tongue of flame shooting out the side of the O'Leary's barn. Sullivan didn't hesitate a second. Fire! 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 He shouted as loudly as he could. Running clumsily across the dirt street, Sullivan made his way directly to the barn. There was no time to stop for help. The building was already burning fiercely, and he knew that in addition to five cows, the O'Leary's had a calf and a horse in there. The barn's loft held over three tons of Timothy hay, delivered earlier that day. Flames from the burning hay pushed against the roof and beams, almost as if they were struggling to break free. A shower of burning embers greeted Sullivan as he entered the building. He untied the ropes of two cows, but the frightened animals did not move. On the other side of the barn, another cow and the horse were tied to the wall, straining to get loose. Sullivan took a step toward them then realized that the fire had gotten around behind him and might cut off any chance of escape in a matter of seconds. The heat was fiercely intense and blinding, and in his rush to flee, Sullivan slipped on the uneven floorboards and fell with a thud. He struggled to get up, and, as he did, Sullivan discovered that his wooden leg had gotten stuck between two boards and come off. Instead of panicking, he began hopping toward where he thought the door was. Luck was with him. He had gone a few feet when the O'Leary's calf bumped into him, and Sullivan was able to throw his arms around its neck. Together, man and calf managed to find the door and safety, both frightened, both badly singed. A shed attached to the barn was already engulfed by flames. It contained two tons of coal for the winter and a large supply of kindling wood. Fire ran along the dry grass and leaves and took hold of a neighbor's fence. The heat from the burning barn, shed, and fence was so hot that the O'Leary's house, forty feet away, began to smolder. Neighbors rushed from their homes, many carrying buckets or pots of water. The sound of music and merrymaking stopped abruptly, replaced by the shout of, Fire! 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 It would be a warning cry heard thousands of times during the next thirty-one hours. Chicago in 1871 was a city ready to burn. The city boasted having 59,500 buildings, many of them, such as the courthouse and the Tribune building, large and ornately decorated. The trouble was that about two-thirds of all these structures were made entirely of wood. Many of the remaining buildings, even the ones proclaimed to be fireproof, looked solid, but were actually jerry-built affairs. The stone or brick exteriors hid wooden frames and floors, all topped with highly flammable tar or shingle roofs. It was also a common practice to disguise wood as another kind of building material. The fancy exterior decorations on just about every building were carved from wood, then painted to look like stone or marble. Most churches had steeples that appeared to be solid from the street, but a closer inspection would reveal a wooden framework covered with cleverly painted copper or tin. The situation was worst in the middle class and poorer districts. Lot sizes were small, and owners usually filled them up with cottages, barns, sheds, and outhouses all made of fast-burning wood, naturally. Because both Patrick and Catherine O'Leary worked, they were able to put a large addition on their cottage despite a lot size of just twenty-five by a hundred feet. 
Interspersed in these residential areas were a variety of businesses, paint factories, lumber yards, distilleries, gas works, mills, furniture manufacturers, warehouses, and coal distributors. Wealthier districts were by no means free of fire hazards. Stately stone and brick homes had wood interiors and stood side by side with smaller wood frame houses. Wooden stables and other storage buildings were common, and trees lined the streets and filled the yards. The links between richer and poorer sections went beyond the materials used for construction or the way buildings were crammed together. Chicago had been built largely on soggy marshland that flooded every time it rained. As the years passed and the town developed, a quick solution to the water and mud problem was needed. The answer was to make the roads and sidewalks out of wood and elevate them above the waterline, in some places by several feet.